Hebrews chapter 11, verse 32, is a roll call. It's the final roll call of the heroes of faith. Because these are men and women that have exercised faith under fire. Faith under fire. And so let's read about these heroes of the faith who have exercised faith under fire. Hebrews 11, verse 32. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. Let's pray. Lord, I pray for your anointing to fill my mouth with your word, preach the way you want it, and your anointing to fill the ears of these listeners with your word the way you want them to hear it, to obey and to build their faith. Lord, build our faith. Lord, we believe at times. Help our unbelief through your word in Jesus' name. Amen. In a ceremony at the White House several weeks ago, the President of the United States awarded the Congressional Medal of Honor to Sergeant Leroy Petrie of the United States Army for conspicuous gallantry at the risk of his life above and beyond the call of duty in action against an armed enemy in Afghanistan back on May 26, 2008. An Army Ranger, Sergeant Petrie, moved to clear the courtyard of a house that potentially contained high-value combatants. While crossing the courtyard, Sergeant Petrie and another ranger were engaged and wounded by automatic weapons fire from enemy fighters. Still under enemy fire and wounded in both legs, Sergeant Petrie led the other ranger to cover. He then reported the situation and engaged the enemy with fire and hand grenades, providing suppression as another ranger moved to his position. The enemy quickly responded by maneuvering closer and throwing grenades. The first grenade explosion knocked his two fellow rangers to the ground and wounded both with shrapnel. A second grenade then landed only a few feet away from them, instantly realizing the danger. Sergeant Petrie, unhesitatingly, and with complete disregard for his safety, deliberately and selflessly moved forward, picked up the grenade, and in an effort to clear the immediate threat, threw the grenade away from his fellow rangers. As he was releasing the grenade, it detonated, amputating his right hand at the wrist. 
and further injuring him with multiple shrapnel wounds. Although picking up and throwing the live grenade grievously wounded Sergeant Petrie, his gallant act undeniably saved his fellow rangers from being severely wounded or killed. And despite the severity of his wounds, Sergeant Petrie continued to maintain the presence of mind to place a tourniquet on his right wrist before communicating the situation by radio in order to coordinate support for himself and his fellow wounded rangers. Sergeant Petrie's extraordinary heroism and devotion to duty are in keeping with the highest traditions of military service and reflect great credit upon himself, the 75th Ranger Regiment in the United States Army. Now, while commending Sergeant Petrie's valor, the President of the United States said the following, quote, Every human impulse would tell someone to turn away. Every soldier is trained to seek cover. That's what Sergeant Leroy Petre could have done. Instead, this wounded ranger, this 28-year-old man, with his whole life ahead of him, this father, husband and father of four, did something extraordinary. He lunged forward toward the live grenade. He picked it up and threw it back just as it exploded. You see, Sergeant Petri is a hero of our armed forces, and his commander-in-chief commended him for fearlessness under fire. In our text today, Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets are all heroes of faith. And their commander-in-chief commended them for faith under fire. Like Sergeant Petrie, these men in the Bible went against every human instinct for survival. Why? Because they had a vision for something better. God's promise, yet unseen, awaited them. And God commended their faith, not with the Congressional Medal of Honor, but with Heaven's Medal of Honor. Why? Because, and here's the main point of our message today, friends, God commends his people for their faith in his promise. That is the propositional statement, the main statement of this text, I believe. God, God commends his people. He commends his people for their faith. For their faith in his promise. God commends his people for their faith in his promise. And that includes us, friends. He commends us for our faith under fire. Our faith when, like Sergeant Petrie, we're often wounded. We feel weak. There's chaos all around us. But it's a faith that hangs in there. It's a persevering faith. That's what this chapter is all about. That's what the book of Hebrews is all about. Preaching a sermon to Hebrew Christians in the first century who are tempted to turn back in unbelief because it's just too hard. I'm wounded in both legs. Those around me have fallen. There are explosions. There's opposition. And this, this sermon was preached to them, persevere in faith because Jesus is greater. And it speaks to us this morning. Because though we might not be experiencing physical combat, we are certainly experiencing spiritual combat. This is a fight of faith. Make no, make no mistake about it. The fight that we're engaged in is not with physical enemies, flesh and blood, but with spiritual enemies. And it's a fight of faith. And so the author here in verse 32 begins a roll call of Hall of Faith inductees. This roll call begins where we left off last week. We left off with Rahab as Israel was entering the land. And it picks up with the judges 
Men who judged Israel after they took the land. Gideon, Barak. Look at verse 32. Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah. And then it moves to kings who ruled the land after the judges. King David, he ruled Israel in about 1000 B.C. And then it finishes with Samuel and the prophets who prophesied to Israel all the way to 400 years B.C., 400 years before Christ. So it spans the horizon of redemptive history. It speaks to us of God's promise. The chapter began with Abel, the second human being born. And it ends with the prophets, 400 B.C. And it's a history of God's faithfulness, God's word, God's promise, and the people that live their lives by that promise. Though unseen, though going through very many difficulties, this roll call of faith, heroes of the faith, is a roll call of those who exercise faith under fire. They lived and they died by God's promise. By God's promise. And so what does it say there in verse 39? God commended them. Just look at verse 39 for a moment. And all these, though, commended through their faith. Verse 39 acts like a bookend. It's the the final piece. So you've got all these books of faith, of the heroes of faith. And verse 39 is like the last bookend. The first bookend are verses 1 and 2. Look at them. Verses 1 and 2. Now by faith, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, for by it the people of old received their commendation. So the chapter on faith begins with one bookend. They received their commendation by faith, and all the men and women of old were commended by it. And chapter, and the chapter ends in verses 39 and 40, and all these were commended by their faith. They're commended by their faith. Now, this word commend is a very important word for us. We studied it earlier in this chapter. But let me refresh your memory. The word commend there in verse 39 means to attest to. It comes from a Greek word, martureo. We get our English word martyr from that. A martyr gives his life. A martyr bears witness by giving his life. So this word martureo, it means to attest to, to bear witness to. So what it is saying here. Is that, is that God, martureo, attests to, commends, bears witness to the faith of men and women, faith under fire, who say God's promise is what I'm living for. And these people, martureo, bear witness to God with their very lives. So it's a two-way street. And God commends them for their faith. Faith under fire. God commends his people. He commends his people when they exercise their faith in his promises. And so they are, in essence, heroes of faith, like Sergeant Petrie. Our president commended him with the Medal of Honor. God commends them. But something that is very interesting here, as you look at this list of heroes, they are flawed. They are flawed heroes. It says that through faith, God commended them. Look at that, verse 33. Who through faith, through faith, God commended these men through faith, but oh, were they flawed heroes of faith. Gideon, he had a rickety faith, a weak faith. 
It says in the Bible that he was hiding from the enemies of Israel. And God says, oh, mighty man of faith, I'm going to send you to deliver. And he says, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And he even tested God. He's the one that had the great idea of putting a fleece out. That wasn't a good thing. That was testing God. God tests us. We don't test God. But it showed him that his faith was weak. But what did God do? God took a man with weak faith. And out of that weakness, he gave them strength. And Gideon led an army, a depleted army of 300. It began at 32,000. God whittled it down to 300 against a vastly superior Midianite army. And armed simply with jars, with candles inside that were lit, and trumpets. They surrounded the Gideonites, 300 men. And at a certain moment, they smashed the jars. They lifted up the candles and they shouted a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. And God routed the Midianites. You see, we can relate to Gideon, can't we? We might not be able to relate to Sergeant Petrie. I don't know if I could do that. But I can relate to Gideon. Hiding. Weak. A rickety faith. And God says, I am going to redeem that faith. I'm going to make this man a mighty man of valor. So that when the victory is won, God receives the glory. How about Barak? Barak's was a reluctant faith. A reluctant faith. Barak was a a, a general in the army. And he was told, go and attack uh, the enemy. His name was Sisera. And he says, go and attack Sisera. And Barak was very reluctant. Because see, Sisera had 900 chariots of iron. Modern day tanks. He was reluctant to go. But God spoke to him. And God said, go up for this day. I, the Lord, will give Sisera into your hand. And does not the Lord go before you? So Barak went down from Mount Tabor with 10,000 men following him. And you know what God did? God sent rains. And the rains caused the entire plain to become muddy. And the 900 chariots of iron, the tanks got stuck in the mud. And Barak defeated Sisera. A reluctant faith. Oh, do we have reluctant faith? I have reluctant faith. God calls me to things. I say, I don't know, Lord. Those are 900 chariots of iron. I really don't think I can do that. Do you have reluctant faith? Samson, his was a reckless faith. Samson was a a reckless man. He was an undisciplined man. He was a very strong man physically, but he was an undisciplined, reckless man. He was a womanizer. And he was womanizing with Philistine pagan women. And one of them, Delilah, finally got to his strength. You know the story. And so here's a man of faith, but it's a reckless, undisciplined faith. Listen to me, young men. What you need, what the Bible says you need is discipline. And when I say young men, it's anybody younger than me. What we need, men, is discipline and self-control. So so I'm thinking, are there men with reckless faith here this morning? I, I must tell you, this morning as I was preparing my message, across the hall from us, there's a group of young people, uh, they're students at FIU, who have a, a t-shirt company and graphic arts company, and I've met a few of them, they're, they're really nice guys, but they are, they are wild party people. And they were wildly partying this morning as I was trying to prepare my message. The language was flowing, the guys were just, they, they were tattooed, you know, weightlifting, 
I am God's gift to this earth kind of people. (laughs) And I just was praying, oh God, how many Samson's in there? Oh God, how many young men who have a sense of faith to go conquer the world, a faith that's tough and strong, and yet God wants to discipline that faith. And he did with Samson, and at the end of his life, he's tied up, his eyes have been put out, he's tied up at a pagan temple of the Philistines, and he says to God, Oh Lord God, Please remember me and please strengthen me only this once, O God. And Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. Then he bowed with all his strength and the house fell upon the lords and upon all the people who were in it. So the dead whom he killed at his death were more than those whom he killed during his life. A reckless faith that God redeemed and disciplined. May he do that for us. There are, there are people in here, you're willing to conquer the world everywhere but in the church. It's a reckless faith. And God wants to discipline it to be used in his work. How about Jephthah? His was a rash faith. Jephthah had great faith, bulldog faith, that God had guided Israel out of Egypt and into the promised land. He was one of these judges who lived maybe between 13, 1400 B.C. and 1000 B.C. These were these men that God would raise up to judge Israel, to lead Israel. And Jephthah was one of those guys, and he was all full of himself. He had faith. Let's go take the land. And he defeated these enemies, and he said, I'm going to make a vow, God. If I defeat my enemies, the first thing that comes out toward me, I'm going to sacrifice to you. And the very first thing that came out to him was his only daughter. A rash faith. Commit to things you shouldn't commit to. So why is he in the hall of faith? How can a man that made that kind of decision and he had to follow through on it, how can Jephthah, who rashly had to sacrifice his daughter, why is he in the pages of scripture? Because Jesus redeemed his rash faith. Jesus redeemed this man whose rash faith included this. And today I believe Jephthah and his daughter are in heaven praising God because he had his eyes on a promise greater than military victory. And David, oh, dear David, David's is a redeemed faith. He represents all the kings of Israel. David was the one, as a young man, who had such faith. He comes to Goliath, I don't know, seven-foot monster of a man. He's been killing people right and left. He's been mocking God. David says, I'll go up against him. And this is what he says. Then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. What a faith. And yet David was an adulterer and a murderer. An adulterer and a murderer. Why is he in the hall of faith? Because David's trust was in the future promise of Christ. Because David was only able to stand before God because God's mercy in Christ was his confidence of all the kings. David. David's what a picture here. And he he wrote many psalms and many of them were prophetic of Christ. A redeemed faith. And finally, Samuel and the prophets a real faith. Samuel and the prophets represent all of us. These are men of real lives. They had real doubts. 
they had real depression. Many of the prophets, they, they, they were people who felt things. God gave them real burdens, and they, they, they suffered much. They complained. They wrestled with their calling. Oh, but I love this, this passage in James 5.17. James 5.17 says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. A nature like ours. He's like us. And he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. The prophets and Samuel, it's a real faith, guys. We're real people. We have real struggles. We have real struggles with sin. We're really rash and reckless and rickety, weak. And God uses us. It's a real faith. Because of what Christ has done. See, that's the lesson of these heroes of the faith. These flawed heroes. What do they teach us? They teach us this. That Jesus redeems our flawed faith so that we might be commended by God. Yes, our faith is flawed. But God is not. He's perfect. So he redeems us. Jesus makes our our faith, our prayers, our service, our giving acceptable when we do them in faith to Christ. They're made acceptable based on Christ's merit, not your merit. Jesus is the greater high priest who is standing right now in heaven interceding for you and for me. Is your faith rickety? Is it reckless? Is it rash? Does it need to be redeemed? Jesus is standing in the heavenlies right now. His sacrifice is better His priesthood is better. His covenant is better. Oh, David could stand before God because Jesus inaugurated the covenant that says, David, I separate your sins from you as far as the east is from the west. That is the point. That is the point. We have faith under fire. We can approach God and have confidence because of Christ. Because of Christ. That's what these flawed heroes teach us. Now, let's move from the flawed heroes to their exploits of faith. You see, for some of these flawed heroes, their faith led to great triumphs. And for others, their faith led to unspeakable suffering. But God commended both of them, the triumphant hero and the suffering hero, because their faith is in God's unseen future Promise. So let's take a look at the triumphant heroes of faith. We'll see them listed from verses 33 to 35a. Here in 33 to 35a is a wonderful description of God's highlight reel. I love sports, and I love to watch highlight reels. The other day, Joey and Kaylin and I were sitting in my house, and we were just hanging out, waiting, I think, to go to some party or something. And I said, hey, what's up? What's going on? Kenneth says, I got some highlight reels here. So I said, all right, let's watch them. So as usual, I chose the Tim Tebow highlight reels. And man, we had those things going on. I mean, I, I, just, I know all the highlights. Oh, yeah, that was against Georgia. Yeah, that was, that was the jump pass against LSU. Oh, yeah, that was when he flattened that free safety from FSU. Whoa, that was a great hit. And I knew them all, and I enjoyed them. And they were exhilarating. Well, Hebrews 11, 33 to 35a is like a heavenly highlight reel. Let's read it. Let's read it. Who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped 
the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Highlight reel after highlight reel. People screaming, feeling elated. Now remember, the Hebrew Christians would have been familiar with these highlight reels, even more familiar than I am with Tim Tebow's highlight reels. Though I watched every game, and I've seen all the highlight reels several times. They have been watching every game and reading these for years. And so there, the blood's beginning to pump in their veins. Yeah, I remember. We conquered kingdoms, military victories. We enforced justice, the king's ruling righteously. We obtained promises. We obtained the promised land. Daniel stopped the mouths of the lions. Man, remember? Yeah, that was great. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Daniel's friends, quenched the power of fire when the king threw them into the blaze and they survived. And there was a fourth man in there with them. What a highlight reel. King David escaped the sword that Saul was wielding to kill him. Others were made strong out of weakness. That's Gideon. Even Samson, who'd become weak when his hair was cut, became strong at the end. They became mighty in war. They put foreign armies to flight. Don't you see what's happening here? The author of Hebrews in this sermon is preaching to the Hebrew Christians, listen, don't give up. Conflict doesn't weaken us, but conflict strengthens us. It's what Zeke read in his exhortation in worship. It makes our our faith strong. That's the message to the first century Christians, Hebrew Christians. It's It's the message for us. Faith under fire is what God commends. Don't give up. Hang in there. And the best highlight reel of them all is the final one. These women received back their dead from resurrection. I mean, when we were watching, I said, guys, just wait. At the end of this highlight reel, in the rain, at Dope Campbell Stadium, Tim Tebow's going to be running 15 yards down the field, and this big old free safety is going to try to nail him, and Tebow is just going to blow him up. Boom! Wah! Yeah! That's what this one was, 35A. Here's the highlight, guys. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Probably referring to either Elijah in 1 Kings 17, raising the widow of Sarapath's son, or Elisha in 2 Kings 4, raising up the son of the Shumanite woman. So we're screaming, yay! And suddenly, a thought comes into our mind. Hey, wait a second. How about verse 39? Verse 39, that all these were commended by faith, but they didn't receive the promise. Because you see, these triumphant heroes of faith, they received temporal deliverance. They had great highlight reels. They had temporal fulfillment of promises, but they weren't satisfied because they knew there was something better, something unseen, the future promise of God they were looking to. And that happens when the author of Hebrew changes the highlight reel to the greatest hits. And he does that in 35B. You see, After we watch the highlight reels, we watch this highlight called Greatest Hits. And Greatest Hits from the NFL and the NCAA are these hits that absolutely destroy people. It's called decleating them. You're running this way, you get hit, your cleats leave the ground, you are decleated, okay? Guys are hit, they're tumbling through the air. I mean, you're watching them going, oh, ah! But in this highlight reel, we aren't the ones doing the hitting. We're the ones being hit. I love Tebow. I love watching him destroy a free safety at FSU. I don't enjoy watching him get destroyed. Not many people watch the highlights of when their team loses. Some of you may, and if you do, hmm, 
might have a little problem here, but most of us get highlight reels of when we win. But the author of Hebrews puts in highlight reels of people, God's people, quote unquote, suffering. Suffering. In fact, listen to the contrast between 35A and 35B. Listen carefully. Women receive back their dead by resurrection. Yay! Period. Some, now these are others, were tortured. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. We have two resurrections here. Women receiving their dead back by resurrection. Sons that were dead in the race to life on this earth. But those sons are no longer here. Versus a resurrection to a better life that we will never lose an eternal life. Immortality. And let me explain to you clearly what that term tortured means in 35B. Can I explain that to you? It's when you tie a man up and spread eagle and you take rods and you beat him to death. Not pretty. Why are you showing me this highlight reel? Because I want to show you that this man is a suffering hero of faith. That man was a triumphant hero of faith. That woman saw the triumph of faith by her son being resurrected. This man saw the triumph of faith by suffering death because he saw a better resurrection. That speaks to me. Because I, I relate more to the guy being tortured than the one that's seeing the miracles. There's something better, folks. They're looking to something better. This is a martureo. This is one whom God commends by allowing him to be beaten to death. And he's commending God by bearing witness to God martyr. And God is receiving the glory and we're receiving the benefit. This is how we should live. These are the suffering heroes of faith. Others, others suffered by mocking and flogging and chains and imprisonment. Many people feel like that's referring to Jeremiah. Some were stoned or sawn in two, killed with the sword. Many believe that was referring to Isaiah, that Isaiah at the end of his life was being persecuted and he hid in a tree, hollowed out tree, and they came and they sawed the tree in half knowing he was in it to kill him. Can you imagine that? Others, it says here, they went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated. Oftentimes, the prophets, John the Baptist would be an example of this, would have to live out in the countryside because prophets were not popular, unlike today. Thank you for not stoning me or throwing things at me, but, but back then, the, 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 the speaker of God's word was often, things were thrown at him. They were imprisoned. It wasn't popular to be a prophet. And so they had to live in the countryside. They had to wander in caves, and they had to make their own clothing out of sheep's skins and the skins of animals. They were destitute. They were wandering in the deserts and mountains and dens and caves. They were foreigners and strangers, exiles on earth, like Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Jacob. 